Well, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. The teaching notes are available on our website, and you can, again, access them with that QR code. If you'd like to follow along, download them, use them, whatever you'd like to do. <clears throat> We're going to look at these couple verses here. Title this morning is, Unto Us a Son is Given. We're going to look at the gift of God toward us through the Son, Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9, one of the key messianic prophecies in the all of Scripture Isaiah chapter 9, look at verse 6. Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And we're really going to highlight this morning the unto us part of the gift of God that has been granted to us in the person of Christ. Isaiah continues, the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Father, we come before you and we say that we love you. We love you, Lord. We ask for your presence through your word, through the gift of your son to touch our hearts in a fresh way this morning. We ask that we would be struck by the beauty of the gift of your son, this extravagant gift that has been granted to humanity. We ask that we would not take it lightly, that we would not take for granted the generous gift of God that has been given to us freely and fully through the Son, Christ Jesus. And we love you, Lord. And we ask that as believers and with our families and with friends in this Christmas week, this holiday season, that we would draw even nearer to you and be struck afresh with the wonder of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wanna briefly highlight Mike's message that he did just uh, Friday night, a couple nights ago, and that's on our archives on our website. You can find that. I want to encourage you to go look at that because he expounds on this part, the increase of his government, there will be no end. And it's just a really fascinating look at the scripture and the implications of the power of God and his governance that will fill the cosmos, the entire universe. I want to encourage you to go and look at that. But we're going to focus in on verse 6 this morning. And again, we're looking at this reality that unto us a child is born and unto us a son has been given to us. We're in the Advent season. And the Advent season traditionally is emphasizing the appearing, the advent of God, the advent of Christ. And there's also other implications or meanings to that word advent about an installment, a rising up, a, a coming into, and we come into a greater sense of the awe and the wonder and the mystery of God made flesh. And that is the point of Christmas, is that we would be struck and our hearts would be filled with awe and wonder at who God is and what he's done. I mean, 
The incarnation, that's the, when God became a man is such a beautiful mystery. We can never fully figure it out or get our minds around it. But we're meant to be struck by the mystery of it so that we worship him more, so that we acknowledge and recognize and, and savor the gift of God that's been given to us. The Lord insists that we see his son and the work of redemption as a gift. He calls it a gift many times throughout scripture. He calls it a gift here. He calls it in, in John 3, in the book of Romans, in John chapter 4. He calls the interaction between God and man, a gift. And he does it on purpose. He emphasizes it over and over and over again. And in that, we see glimpses of the unmerited favor of God that he's bestowed upon us because you can't earn gifts. No one earns a gift. No one can earn the nearness of God to their life and what The Father has ordained that humanity would have fellowship with him through his Son in the person of Jesus. He calls it a gift because we don't earn gifts. We receive them. And there's a, there are layers of understanding to this revelation that Christ is a gift to all of humanity. If we were to earn it, it would be an award. It would be a reward. It would be a statement of our, you know, our virtue or our character or whatever it is. And the Lord says, I want you to see my son as a gift because if you see Jesus and, and, and is coming to you as a gift, it will position your heart very differently. It will position your heart in a place of humility, of lowliness, of of opening your hands to receive the gift of God, your heart is in a completely different place compared to an award. An award, your shoulders are back and your head's up and your chest is out and you know, hey, I deserve this, I receive this. But in a gift, especially an extravagant gift, it could be very humbling. Have you ever uh, had a friend that got you a Christmas gift but you didn't get them one? And it was like a really nice gift. You know, it wasn't, you know, like a $5 Old Navy card. It was like something nice. And the, and, the, and the nicer the gift is, the more our hearts feel indebted to repay that person and to give something back to them. And the, the heart that is humble, it's a measure of our humility. The heart that is humble can freely receive extravagant gifts. And it's just a really interesting uh, facet of the gift of God. The Lord insists that we see and relate to Jesus in this way. Well, there's a part of gifts that actually expose different things of our heart. Uh, Gifts make us very joyful. They make us very happy. And if you think of gifts in the most broad term, even in terms of your own skills talents, resources that God has given you, we lead with our gifts through the majority of our life. Most people lead with what they're good at and what has been given to them. It could be resources in the natural. It could be your intellect, your strength, your ability to build or engineering or whatever it is. 
we find a place of security in the gifts that we have, and we typically lead with the gifts that we have received. They become this, you know, kind of the tip of the spear of our life. And uh, one guy said to me one time, I thought it was really insightful. He said, you know, the thing that will basically be a challenge to you or get you in trouble is not because of your weaknesses in your life. It's actually because you'll overplay your strengths. I thought that was really insightful because our way is we take what has been gifted to us and then we lead with that consistently, even when it's not the most appropriate scenario, but we lead with what we're best at. We lead with our gift. And here's the thing. The Lord, the Father, wants us to lead with the person of Christ because we are Christians and we're followers and disciples of Christ. And so if you're really gifted in speaking or you're really gifted in finance, whatever happens, a person encounters you, they're going to know your strengths typically within the first 15 or 20 minutes of conversation because that's what you present to them. We always present our strengths. You know, you get to know someone. Well, what are you known for? Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in marketing and I'm pretty gifted in and, and that world and I have a degree in this and that and we typically lead with our strength and, and the father is looking at humanity. He's going, I've gifted you a son and I want you to lead with my son. I want you to be known for him. And in our life, we're known for many, many things. We're known for our opinions. We're known for our tastes. We're known for our skill set. What are you good at? What's flourishing in your life? And we lead with those things. And the Father is going, I'm insisting that humanity, that Christians, they would lead with the gift of Christ in their life so that every person that comes in contact with you, they're touched in some way, oh, you know, outwardly meaning they're struck by this person is a follower of Jesus or they're touched, they, they see something different about you. They notice that there's a way that you carry yourself and you communicate that is different. You stand out. And the Lord wants to demonstrate his generosity through us as we lead with the gift of Christ. Well, the thing about gifts is even though they're wonderful, they're also challenging because we're held accountable for the gifts that we have. And when you stand before the Lord and, it, and he begins talking about the gifting and the resource that you have in your life, he's going to talk to you about what you have, not what you didn't have. And the Lord will evaluate us and test the measure of our love in accordance with what we have and what gifts we actually possess. It's actually very kind of him. Think about this. The Lord never penalizes you for what you never had access to, for what you didn't have. He doesn't make you try and be someone else or do something else. You are who you are, and you have the gifts that you have, and you're to steward those gifts and grow those gifts, but you have what you have. And he doesn't demand of us more than what we actually have. And so we give an account for the gifts that have been granted to us in God's redemptive plan for our life. Many people, you know, bemoan the things that they don't have. And they spend a lot of time 
internally and externally complaining about the things that they don't have. I just, I don't have enough opportunities. I don't have enough friends or the friends that I have, they're not the friends I want. I want different friends. I want to be friends with those people, but here I am with these people. Ugh. And, and, you know, this is the, the sphere of influence that I have. This is my ministry or, or this is my business or these are the skills I possess. And so many people, they bemoan what they don't have rather than celebrating, acknowledging, and being faithful stewards of what they do have. And you're gonna stand before the Lord, as will I, and you're gonna give an account before him in love in accordance with what he's given you out of his generous heart. And he's not going to appropriate the same measure from one person to the next. Like, as a pastor and teacher, I don't stand before the Lord and then he's gonna look at me and go, why didn't you do what Billy Graham did? And I'm gonna be like, well, I'm, I'm not Billy Graham. He's gonna be like, oh yeah, I forgot. You know, you give an account for what you have. And so our gifts, they're celebrated. They become our strengths, but they also become accountability. And there's a downside to it if we misinterpret the gift, if we misappropriate the gift, if we don't even see the gift, you know, and there's parables of that throughout the scripture. There's like one guy who's given the two talents and he goes, well, this isn't very much. It's a, or the one talent, he just goes, I just buried it in the ground. It's just really not worth it. That dude gets in big trouble. And, it, and sometimes we look at our life and we go, I only got a little bit that I've been given. And we, we hold a grudge against the Lord. Why didn't you give me more? Why am I not? Why well, don't have the voice of John Elliot? You know what I mean? I'm up here talking and I have to hear myself and it's not his voice coming out of these speakers, it's mine. It's a different voice. Gifts always test our heart. They bring to the surface what we truly believe. It brings to the surface the things that you're given. It, it's gonna show, it's gonna reveal where your heart truly is. I love gifts and I love getting gifts. I love receiving gifts. You know, when you get a, become a parent, the gifts that you want kind of get really boring because you don't acknowledge, you know, gifts in the same light when you're a kid. Uh, when you're a kid, they used to have these magazines in the back of airplanes called Sky Mall magazines. You remember those? It's just like everybody got on the plane. Everybody read the Sky Mall magazine. And uh, the older you get, the more practical you want your gifts to be. It's like, I want warmer socks because my feet are always cold, you know? I want a vacuum because my floor is always dirty. Give me, you know, those microfiber towels because I'm constantly cleaning up wet messes and they can hold like six gallons of water and like a four by four piece of cloth. You get, you get more and more practical the older you get. You know, and then your kids are trying to get you gifts and they're like, what do you want? You're just like, well, you know, I just need something practical like a USB drive. Like, wow, that's gonna be fun to open on Christmas morning. When you're a kid and you're reading through these Sky Mall magazines, you're flipping through the pages 
And you come, you, you, you see like a Lord of the Rings hobbit sword that's made of glass and platinum. It's $1,200. And you're like, I need this. It's completely impractical because you're not gonna be fighting orcs anytime soon. You're not a hobbit. You're a suburban little kid, you know? And so like when you're a kid, there's this, there's this awe about the gifts that you receive. You're not looking for practical things. You blow through that stuff. Practical things come in the, come in the bags with the tissue paper in the top. You open it up, you're like, wow, wow. <laughs> great, another sweater. Thanks. There's this desire to be wowed by gifts. But the older that you get, it's easier and easier to not become wowed by those gifts anymore. And the same thing is true with the gift of Christ. The older we get, the more familiar we are. We've been through 20 Christmases, 40 Christmases, 60 Christmases. We become, it's easy to become less and less wowed by the gift. But the Lord wants to reveal the extravagant gift of his son so that we, like little children, like childlike faith, that our hearts are struck with wonder. And we just feel joy and, and rejoicing and celebration on the inside because he rejoices over us and he wants us to rejoice over him in that same way. And will you see the gift of God? Will you acknowledge and feel the power of God's gift to you in this holiday season? The first thing that we have to do to see and celebrate the gift of God is to acknowledge the preciousness of the gift. If we don't see Christ and who he is and the splendor and the, and the mystery and the power of who he is, then it's easy to just take it for granted. If you grow up in the church and you hear messages Sunday after Sunday after, you know that love for Christ and wonder for him is something that has to be cultivated in your heart. You have to keep coming back. There's a stream called just taking things for granted, you know, in a lukewarm heart, and it's constantly pushing against your soul. And it becomes easier and easier to just kind of lose the wonder of who God is. And the Lord wants to emphasize the preciousness of his own son in the gift that is God. How many times have you likely looked at a rare piece of art or heard some beautifully composed piece of music and just, ah, didn't even know? Like you didn't even know it was, you didn't even know it was worthy anything. You didn't even know it was valuable. And the shock when you realize, oh my goodness, this actually is valuable. This phone is ringing on this laptop. There used to be this show. There used to be this show that I used to watch as a kid. It was called Antique Roadshow. All right, it was on public television station, you know. This show was the most addicting show that has ever graced the television, man. And I called it a television which makes me old. Anyways, 
Antique Roadshow. And if you're familiar with the show, they would have these people that would come to this event and they would bring like their old antiques that their grandma gave them or something that are like hidden down in a basement and they would bring them out and they would just look like anything else, you know? And uh, you'd watch the show and then they'd have this specialist come on. That was like a specialist in rhinoceros bowl pottery, you know? It's like, I didn't even know you could specialize in that, but you can. And here's the guy that did. I don't know what school you go to. This is a real thing. I didn't just make that up. Rhinoceros, Chinese rhinoceros bowls, okay? And they have these people come on, and this expert's like, well, this was, and he's talking, and the people are like, okay, listening, listening. You know, I'm there. 10 years old, eating cereal, watching. I'm captivated. I'm hanging on every word. Because I know our mind is about to be blown at how valuable these rhinoceros horn bulls are. And so I'm there and, you know, da, 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 da. And then they get to the end of the little history segment and then they reveal how much it's worth for the auction. And it's like, ooh, I mean, like, you're, you're hooked. Once they show the item, you have to stay all the way until it's revealed for how valuable it is. You're hooked. It's impossible. As a 10-year-old, you cannot leave the television set. So you're there, and, you know, I'm eating my Aldi Frosted Flakes. And they get to the end, and this is, this is for real. I, I, looked this, I actually looked this up. These rhinoceros bulls were worth $1 million. Yeah, see, wow. We're all struck at that. We're like, a million-dollar rhinoceros bull, honey? Search the basement. <laughs> Everybody thinks their stuff is worth a million dollars after that. I looked up the top items, okay? There was like rhinoceros bulls and then like a stopwatch, and all this stuff, these were like $1.5 million. The point is this. You can walk right by a rare, precious gift and not even know. And how many times have we done that with Jesus? And how many times has humanity done that with Jesus? Isaiah 53 says that he looked like every other man. There was no form or comeliness that we should des desire him. He didn't stand out. He didn't come down with heaven with blazing lightning bolts in his eyes in this ripped Greek body. And, you know, he didn't do that. He didn't come that way. He came like, like an antique hidden in grandma's basement. That's just, I walked by it a hundred times. I never knew it was that precious and that valuable. See, in the Lord wants to show us, once, once the preciousness of Christ is revealed to our heart, then suddenly the gift makes so much more sense. The gift is so much more valuable. You don't let the kids take the million-dollar Chinese rhinoceros bulls out in the back to excavate under the play set. To make mud pie. You don't do that anymore. Why? We just found out these are a million dollars. Give me those back, you know. Kids are like, oh, man. Because it elevates 
the preciousness, the value of it, and all the more, our glory and our, our dignity is to come before God day after day, season after season, night after night, and gaze upon his splendor so that his preciousness is more and more and more elevated. And then when we realize God has given us that gift, a precious gift, a gift that's more valuable than anything we have in our life. A gift that transcends anything that we could want. Every hope, every dream, every aspiration, every desire that would satisfy the longing of our heart because we all walk around feeling a sense of unfulfillment. But when we see him as the gift, as the, as the precious gift, suddenly our life comes into perspective. Suddenly, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. If that's how good it is, beloved, if we were to fast forward the calendar, you know, 10,000 years into eternity, we would be so overwhelmed at what we were seeing. We would be so struck by the glory of God and how deeply satisfied and overjoyed we were that we would come back to this life and say, you know what? I can face the trials of today. I can face a year like 2020. I can face the loss of property. I can face the loss of life or health or whatever it is. I can face it because the preciousness of the prize is so lofty. Is so beautiful. And you know what? Paul had this revelation and he said, this, this life, it's just temporary light affliction. It's temporary. It's, it's here for just a moment, but it'll be gone in just another moment. It's light. The, the affliction that a believer faces in this life, the problems we face, they feel so big in the moment. But if we could see the grand preciousness of Christ, we would see them as Paul did. They're light. They're, they're a moment. It's a, it's a fleeting vapor. It's here today, but it's gone tomorrow. You're going to stand before this man, the precious son of God. In a moment, you're going to be there with him forever. You're going to be transformed. You're going to be renewed. You're going to be filled with glory and light and power and joy forever. It's a temporary light affliction. You read the life of Paul. It's like, Paul, that didn't seem, that didn't seem light to me. I mean, this guy's getting beaten with rods, stoned multiple times, shipwrecked. I'm like, I had to have knee surgery and my tire blew out in my car. It's warfare, man, you know? Nothing can get worse than this. And if we could see the preciousness of the prize, it would make the race worth the journey. It would make the race worth it all. Christ is our gift because he's been born unto us. And God has given you a gift that you can't earn that you can't, there's no merit, there's no character, there's no virtue in you. You didn't deserve him. I didn't deserve him. He wants us to know that. He wants us to be absolutely humbled by the extravagance of his gift, 
when we measure the person of Jesus that's been given to us in accordance with who we are. Some might think, God, you know, you just had to pity humanity where you're just your creatures. You made us. We deserve this. We deserve a way out of sin. We deserve a way out of suffering. We deserve a way out of oppression. And the Bible resounds very clearly, no, you don't. You don't. Paul tells us in Romans 5 that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, the gift of God broke onto the landscape of history, the precious son, the exalted son. Listen to how 1 Peter describes him. Peter says in verse 4, of 1 Peter 2, he says, we come to him as the living stone and he's been rejected by men. Why? Every man just walked past him and just counted him as nothing. You're just another man. You're just another prophet even. You're just another teacher. You're just another moral man. You're just another rabbi. You're just another man in Jerusalem claiming to be Messiah. We've heard that before. They passed right by him. But God says, no, I've chosen him. What God chooses are the valuable things. The father chose the son. He loved the son. He was begotten of the father. He was esteemed. He was treasured. When the father looks out across everything that is or everything that could be, nothing brings his heart more delight and joy than his beloved, precious son. Verse six, he says, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, who is Christ. He describes him as elect, chosen of God, and this, precious. Precious, more precious than anything, more precious than wealth or power or influence or knowledge or insight or visions or dreams, more precious than anything is the man Christ Jesus. Therefore, to you who believe, verse seven, he is precious. You're to see him as precious. You're to see him as, as the gift of God that's been granted to you. See, the Christian ought to be the most overjoyed, happy, delightful, singing person in the earth because they've been granted the most precious gift that cannot be taken away from them. It cannot be taken. Not only have they been given the gift of God, but they can, the gift of God can never depart from them unless they depart from it themselves. There's no angel, there's no demon, there's no power, there's no ruler. There's no evil man or evil woman that can take the gift of the precious son away from you. John says in 1 John 1, he says, we're writing to you these things so that your joy would be full. Because without them, without the revelation of the manifest son, without the revelation that, that God became flesh and brought you into fellowship with the transcendent trinity, your joy is incomplete. Your life is incomplete. You might be hearing these words this morning and you feel incomplete on the inside. And it might be because you haven't received the son, the gift of God to all of humanity, Jesus Christ. 
who will bring you into abounding joy, overflowing joy, beloved, not just in the future, but now. Do you know that the Christian can be in the middle of the storm singing songs? The Christian can be in the, in the midst of the storm singing and rejoicing in God, even in the worst conditions. And whether things get bad in the next two, three, four months or years, or things get a little better, or it ebbs and flows, or it's like a Ferris wheel just going around and around and around, who knows? God has granted us abounding joy through the gift of Christ. And you possess a treasure on the inside that is so precious, that is so valuable, that if you were to see it, if you, would, if you were to see the glory and the radiance and the beauty and the splendor of who Christ is, your life would be undone. It would be absolutely undone. You'd be wrecked. You'd be ruined. And the scripture attests this to us. And by the spirit, even if we don't see it like a vision with our eyes, even if you don't go to heaven and you're probably not gonna go to heaven and have some encounter. Let me, let's just be real. It's probably just not, it's probably not gonna happen in this life. It's okay. Jesus said, blessed are those who see or do not see and yet still believe. Blessed are those who do not see in this life with their physical eyes, and yet still believe. There's a, a blessing and an inheritance that awaits you. He's become the chief cornerstone. We talked about that last week. He's become the preeminent one, the one that God esteems and treasures and, and is gonna exalt in all the cosmos and all the everything that is will bow down and worship him. Every creature, every tree, every hill. You know, there's over 35 references to the creation worshiping God, not just angels and people and spirits. I'm talking about actual creation, worshiping God throughout the scripture. All of creation is going to adore him and sing to him. And here's the thing. For some, that sounds incredibly boring <laughs> until you realize that it is the most deeply satisfying, joyful experience to behold the precious son of God and worship him. There's no thing that lacks in your life. When you set your face before him, when you sing to him, there's no extra thing that you will need to satisfy the longing of your heart. And a lot of people don't believe that, but it's true. Page two, Abraham had a son named Isaac. Nice name. And Abraham didn't have his son until he was over 100 years old. 100 years old. Isaac's getting dropped off at school. It's just like, man, that's cool. Your great-grandfather dropped you out. That's my dad. Interesting. You know, there's a lot we could go into there, but the point is, is that Abraham, he waits his whole life to have a son with Sarah. And he has the son. And you can imagine the delight. I mean, the Lord had been speaking to Abraham. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bring forth nations from you. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through your seed, through your lineage, Abraham. And he tried to jump the gun, you know, and then he has Ishmael. 
with Hagar. He's trying to speed up the promises of God. He's like, hey, time is ticking, God. I'm getting kind of old here, so things start stop working. You know, I don't know if you know that. But the Lord was faithful. And at 100 years old, <laughs> he becomes a father to Isaac. And you can imagine the joy. The, I mean, he's absolutely shocked out of his mind. How, how is it possible to have a son at over 100 years old? How is that possible? And the delight. And he's going, oh, you are so generous. You're so kind to me. And everything that he sees and feels and believes about God, you know, that journey of faith, he sees embodied and tangible in his own son, Isaac. The glory of the promise made flesh, right? And Isaac's a picture of this incarnation and, and all the delight that is in him. And then the Lord tells him in Genesis 22, verse two, he says, now take your son and go and sacrifice him to me on the mountain. You know, and when you put it in context to the delay of God's promises, you begin to feel the pain over what Abraham must have been feeling on the inside. God, how could it be? You know, he... He doesn't seem to waver in the story, but when I read it, I waver for him. Because <laughs> I feel the battle, I'm like, no, surely there must be another way. Don't take his precious son. Don't take his only gift. That's his joy. That's his delight. And we're to see the son of God with the same eyes that Abraham saw his own son, yea, more. Don't take the son that's when we, read, when we read of the crucifixion, our hearts should be broken because Isaac, through Jesus, Jesus, the, the greater Isaac, got on the altar. He got on the cross. And he was the precious son. And they reviled him and tortured him and mutilated him and they killed him. And we should go, no, that's the precious son. And it was the gift of God. Because unless he went to the cross and unless he paid the penalty of our sin and unless he bore the wrath of God, we would come under that same judgment. On the earth, Christ was mocked and rejected. He was abandoned. He was betrayed by those that were closest to him. He was scorned. He was maligned. He was seen as just another man and secular history for the last 2,000 years has treated him with the same spite, has treated him with the same cold indifference. You're just another man. Where are you? Where are you? And they mock him and they revile him and they use his name as a curse word. Beloved, it should not be so. He is the precious Son of God, the gift of Yahweh to us. And the question is, will you receive him? And will you receive the gift of God that he gives freely and generously? Will you open your heart and receive the whole gift and acknowledge him fully for who he is? Not just a means to an end. 
not just a way to a better marriage and a better business and a better ministry and less guilt and less shame and higher self-esteem and less depression. Will you see him in the way that the Father sees him? Will you see him in the way that the angels see him? Because in heaven, the story is very different. On earth, he's mocked, but in heaven, he's adored. And they never stop. They can't. They don't want to. They just keep bowing down before him and casting their crowns and singing songs. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. Who is like you? You're the worthy lamb. There's no one like you. I don't want to go somewhere else. I don't want to be somewhere else. There, there's no sort of, you know, break or intermission that's needed. Like, wow, that was fun. But like, you know, whoo, kind of tired of singing holy, holy, holy. Can we switch it up? Get something else in there, you know? But he's seen as so beautiful and precious, they just don't care. They just don't want to depart from his presence. They're just there. Beloved, that, that same man in all that glory and radiance and splendor is going to split the sky in his advent. And he's going to come down to the earth and, and all the eyes of the nations, they're going to see him. And they're going to see him not veiled as a Jewish carpenter who looked like every other man. They're going to see him in the radiance of his father in his splendor and his light. Well, what happens when we see and acknowledge the gift? Matthew 13, Jesus gives us a parable in Matthew 13. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's in a field, which a man found and he hid. And then for joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Because he saw the value of the treasure that was hidden from everybody else. And that's what the Christmas story is about. It's about seeing the treasure that's been hidden from everyone else. We don't just come to Bethlehem and bow down because there's a baby and, you know, the ox and the cattle, they're lowing and we're just kind of swept up in the sentiment of it all. He's the Lord of glory. He's the Lord of splendor. And when you find and see that gift that preciousness, you'll be like this man for the joy over it. He goes and sells everything he has. He goes, I'll get rid of everything in my life for the preciousness of this man. I'll get rid, you don't even have to talk me out of it. The man is skipping joyfully, <laughs> you know, down to the real estate auction. He's like, I'll just get rid of everything. I only want this small tract of land. They're like, what is wrong with you? Nobody's talking him into it. Nobody's talking this man when he sees the preciousness of the treasure. Nobody's talking him into his devotion. Nobody's holding him accountable. Nobody's going, hey, man, just stay with it. You know, out of joy, he's giving everything that he has. He's laying it all down because he sees the preciousness of Christ. He goes on in verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls and when he found the pearl of great price, he sold all that he had and he bought it. See, there's three things that happen in the story. One is the acknowledgement of the value. The two is, is the joy that you can actually get that thing. And then three 
It's the sacrifice and the cost. You're willing to go any distance to have and secure that treasure. To see the preciousness of God. Let's stand. Have the worship team come out. Jesus is the precious treasure. He's the reason for the season. I mean, he is all of it. And I want to urge you not to be called to a place of sentiment this Christmas season, but to be called to a place of revelation to see him and savor him and worship him. And like Paul said, I count it all loss for the sake of the upward call, pursuit of Christ Jesus. I count it all loss. You can't talk me out of it. I've just got to be with him. I've got to be before him. I've got to lead my family after Christ. I've got to lead my marriage. I've got to lead my relationships. I've got to lead my sexuality. I've got to lead my purity and my finances. I've got to lead my business. I've got to forsake everything and go, everything is secondary. I want him, the gift of God. Holy Spirit, we ask We ask for the revelation of the preciousness of your son, his great value, his great worth. He is that precious treasure, the the pearl of great price, the chief cornerstone. He's beautiful and lovely and fair, and he came down to us. He's the gift of God. See, one of the things about receiving a gift is that you can't be holding something else in your hands to receive it. And the Father comes to us in our life and we've got all this stuff. We've got all these other boxes. We've got our, our arms are all full of this other stuff in our life. We're carrying, you know, anxiety and depression and and the pressures of life and, and finances and my dream and my business and this is what I'm trying to do and I'm trying to get this course off the ground and blah, 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 blah. We're holding all this stuff. And the preciousness of the gift of Christ just gets lost in the hustle and bustle of our life. And Lori goes, just lay it down. Just lay it down. Just in your own heart, just lay it down. Just make peace that it's not gonna satisfy you, that's gonna be incomplete. Come and behold the man Christ Jesus. Come and behold the preciousness of God. Can you receive the gift of him? Father, we ask for the, that revelation to touch the spiritual family. I love this spiritual family. I love our devotion and our sincerity and our pursuit of the knowledge of God. We ask that we wouldn't become acclimated to it. We wouldn't acclimate to the presence of God. We wouldn't acclimate to the revelation of who you are. We wouldn't acclimate, Lord. We wouldn't take it for granted. We'd see the preciousness of who you are in a fresh way. This morning, we want to pray for a couple different groups of you. Number one, you feel like you've acclimated. Like, I need to touch the wonder of God again. I've gotten too practical in my gifts. I've gotten too practical and I need something crazy. 
I need a gift that's gonna blow my mind. You know, you've acclimated. You just need that fresh sense of awe and wonder because you don't long for worship. You don't long for prayer. You don't long to be with him. Maybe your love's grown a little colder. You've gotten a little dull or whatever it is, but you're just going, I just need that. I need that fresh awakening to my heart. We want to pray with you. Come to the front and stand on these lines. Second group is, second group is you've never known Jesus as precious. You've never received the gift of God and you've resisted him and you've fought against him and you don't realize yet what's at stake your eternal life and it only comes to the son it only comes to the gift of god you've got to lay down everything you got to put out your hands to receive jesus all the things that are in your life they're getting in the way getting away of you having a relationship with god and maybe it's some form of substance maybe it's money maybe it's some relationship whatever it is but there's things in the way and you're going i gotta clear the way and i've gotta i've gotta get the gift of god because i'm living unsatisfied anyway and i need to touch real joy and know that my life is secure in christ that he would save me we want to invite you to come up to the front stand on these lines we have a ministry team that's ready to to pray with you and pray for you then the third group you're just saying, I just want to touch from the Holy Spirit. I need healing. I need, a, I need a breakthrough in my heart. My body is hurting. My friend is sick. My family member is sick. We want to always pray. We want to always lift that sail, so to speak, in the Holy Spirit. And who knows? Today might be the day that he would touch you and heal you and free you. And you'd like to receive prayer. Just come to the front. Come stand on these lines. Brandon and the team are going to lead us. We have leaders and ministry team here that want to pray with you. We love you. We hope that you enjoy your Christmas week with friends and family. Let's just sing together as we bring the service to a close. Go ahead, Brent.